You're listening to What's Work Got to Do With It, your go-to resource on all things workplace safety, health, and well-being. This podcast series invites you into the conversation as we discuss how our workplace conditions like work hours, occupational stress, job safety, and other issues affect our lives at work and at home. We go into the science behind it all and talk about what we can do to reduce work-related risks and promote well-being. Thanks for joining us. This podcast is a production of the Oregon Institute of Occupational Health Sciences at OHSU and the Oregon Healthy Workforce Center. And it is produced by myself, Helen Shuckers, Anjali Ramishbabu, Sam Greenspan, and Nicole Gilfoy. Cameron Homan is a Portland firefighter and district representative for Portland Firefighter Association Local 43. Cameron is a third-generation public safety worker and has been a firefighter for over 10 years, with five of those years serving the Portland public and four years serving as a district representative for the Portland Firefighters Union. He is currently working in the Hollywood District at Station 28 and hails from Tacoma, Washington. Thank you so much, Cameron and Shelby, for taking the time out of your day to join us in our podcast, What's Work Got to Do With It?, And today, we are going to be talking about a very important topic in terms of shift cycles and firefighters. And today, also, we have joining us is Shelby, a research associate from Dr. Nicole Bull's lab here at the Institute. Shelby and Cameron worked closely together to help essentially coordinate the study with the Portland Firefighters Association, IAFF Local 43. So first off, this is going to be a question for you, Cameron. When people think of firefighters, if the unmistakable thing, an image that comes to mind is the fire engine, a firefighter in full gear kind of running into a burning building. You know, we often rarely think about firefighters' experiences uh, behind the scenes. So for example, many people may be aware that firefighters, like you, Cameron, work 24-hour shifts. That's a really long shift, and sometimes even longer than that. And I can imagine it increases during uh, certain times of the year, like fire seasons, um, and like what we're currently experiencing here in the Pacific Northwest, in addition to facing other workplace hazards that can impact workers' well-being and health for firefighters. So I wanted to start by telling our listeners about an average day of a firefighter. Absolutely. So first off, I'd like to say I'm really thank- thankful to be here, Helen, and it's it's nice to have this discussion. Uh, anything we can do to educate the community on uh, what we do is uh, always helpful to us. So uh, taking you through the day, we start every day at 8 a.m. with roll call. And basically what that is, is we sit down as a crew, uh, whether it's four or eight firefighters, uh, depending on the station, and we basically discuss the plan for the day. Um, that can include the weather, like you mentioned with the wildfires. Uh, we need to know what the wind is doing, the temperatures, whether or not we're going to have some potential for heat-related uh, emergencies. I know we just had that huge heat wave with folks across the city of Portland, and uh, we needed to be prepared to deal with heat-related emergencies. So we talk about the weather. We talk about what uh, other stations and different engines and trucks that are going to be out of service for training or, or uh, inspections And then we kind of jump into our day. And what that typically looks like is after our roll call, which lasts about an hour from eight to nine, we will begin our station maintenance. Uh, That's your sweeping, mopping, cleaning the kitchen, making your bed, checking on the rig, making sure the fire engine's ready to go, has all the proper equipment, checking on our air packs, making sure that they're prepared, 
kind of going through all of our tools and equipment, making sure they're functional and uh, making sure that the, um, the station itself is in good order. From there, a lot of people will ask why they see us at the grocery stores throughout the day. And the reason is, is because we actually have to go shopping for our food. You spend 24 hours at a station, you have to eat. So um, we actually spend our own money uh, at my station. We pitch in everybody $12 per day to pay for our lunch and our dinner. So we'll uh, go to the store, go shopping, whoever the cook is for the day. We'll get their items that they need and uh, we'll go back to the station. Those are also good times for us to interact with the community. A lot of times you'll see us at the store handing out stickers to kids or talking to folks about smoke detectors and, and just educating the community as we go. So that takes us usually from about 10 to 11. And then when we get back to the station, we have a cooking period. The cook will you know, break away from the crew and uh, start the cooking process for lunch uh, while the rest of us will uh, go exercise. As a lot of people probably know, our job is very physically demanding. So folks will try to get a workout in. We're allowed an hour of workout time uh, during our day. Then we have lunch at noon. And then after that, we go into training or um, what we call a company fire inspections. Basically, we go out into our area around our station and uh, do building inspections, make sure everything's in order and safe. Now, obviously, with COVID, we've been doing that less uh, to not endanger ourselves or the public. But we also like to get out and just what we call pre-fires, basically map out buildings so we can get a good layout of the building. So that way, if there's ever to be a fire there or a medical emergency, we have a good knowledge of what the building looks like. So that'll take us usually most of our afternoon from about maybe one to about three or four. And we'll come back to the station. Again, the cook will uh, break away and start uh, preparing dinner for the rest of us. And then while they're doing that, we do any of our computer-based training or company-based training uh, stuff that we're assigned from our training division uh, that we have to keep up on, you know, EMT certifications and, and things of that nature. So. We move into dinner. That usually takes place from between 5.30 or 6 till about 7. And then the rest of the, the evening is yours to complete any uncompleted training or work that needs to be done in regards to the station or the, or the fire apparatus. And then, of course, there's calls mixed in there. Like we have to, we still have to respond to emergencies. So that's, those are all of the things that we do. And obviously the day is very flexible because we can get an alarm at any minute that can take us, you know, anywhere from 15 minutes to four hours, depending on what the emergency is. So the day is very fluid, very flexible. That's a general makeup of our day. Most of the time we're good about getting to bed at around 10, 30 or 11. Um, but obviously that fluctuates as well. Thanks so much for sharing that. It's a very dynamic day and a lot <laughs> to fit in, in in that many hours of the day that you have. And it's, it's so great to hear the community-based environment that firefighters have and being able to lean on each other and, you know, kind of participate in these different areas of community service and also pitching in to cook and clean and uh, making time for self-care, like working out. So it's that is a lot to fit in in one day, and I appreciate you sharing that because I think some, even somebody like me, I, I'm not as familiar with 
um, the day-to-day -day of firefighters' life. Um, you had mentioned the shift schedules for firefighters. And Cameron, as you being part of the Portland's Firefighter Association, IAFF Local 43, and the group, you were interested in identifying kind of the best shift schedule for firefighters, and that led you connecting with our institute, and specifically the Dr. Nicole Bull's lab. And could you just tell us more about what led you to our institute? And of course, we're always excited when organizations bring us a problem from the field and we can kind of work together to investigate the situation and develop a strategy. So maybe, Cameron, we can kind of start with you in terms of how all this came about with, with your firefighter union. And, and maybe, Shelby, you can chime in on how that relationship and research strategy has developed from there. As I alluded to earlier with our first kind of question, our days are very busy. With the increased call volume our city has seen over the last few years, you can imagine it's been very trying and challenging for us to get everything done in one day. And with the increased calls and workload we have, uh, a lot of our members started coming to us and saying, is this the best schedule that we could possibly have? Uh, is there any way we could reorganize our day or our shifts to be more productive and more beneficial to our health? So that job of researching that was tasked to me in my position as the district rep of uh, Local 43. And I just began researching sleep studies and I couldn't find anything substantial that related specifically to our job and our job is so unique. So I reached out to OHSU. I assumed the best place to start would be our own backyard. The most beneficial uh, knowledge base that I could think of was uh, up on the hill. So I gave them a call. They've sort of taken the ball and run from there. It's been great partnering with uh, Shelby and Dr. Nicole and uh, Dr. Stephen Shea. They both have been excellent to work with and uh, they have taught us so much already about the question that we brought to them. Come, yeah, come on, like moving forward with all of that. Obviously, like we said, we're very excited that someone from the community reached out to us. That's like our bread and butter here. What happened from that? Um, they had done tons of research, Cameron, and then also Travis Chipman from local 43 and just gave us these. So I have it in my desk. It's a big bulk of papers and we have it all saved online. And we kind of like went from there, started with their research and moved forward. And we were looking at the 2448 shift, which that is the shift that Portland Fire and Rescue runs. It's 24 hours on, 48 hours off, which is the most commonly used around the United States still right now. Uh, but we looked into other more recently popular shift schedules like the 4896. So that's 48 hours on, 96 hours off. And also um, the really popular 1323. Three. So that's 24 hours on, 72 hours off, then 48 hours on, 72 hours off. And like Cameron said, there is little research available on alternative shift schedules among firefighters in particular. So from what we could find, um, each schedule provided unique pros and cons um, with the 2448 having you know, the least amount of time at work. And whereas the 4896 and the 1323, they provide additional time at home to be with family and friends, but it also brings that caveat of having to work 48 hours in a row, which could lead to more accumulated sleep loss and potential negative health outcomes due to that sleep loss. Because as Cameron mentioned, the call volume is increasing. 
and there hasn't been an increased number of firefighters in recent years, specifically Portland. So, you know, more calls, same amount of people working them. But there's just been no extensive studies we found that could tell us the more specific physical, social, and mental health outcomes between those different um, shift schedules. So throughout all of this, we were also learning that firefighters have this high prevalence of cardiovascular disease, um, which can be exacerbated by certain shift schedules and that subsequent sleep loss. So we're learning as we go that there's little information and that there's this big health risk of cardiovascular disease that isn't commonly thought about with firefighters, at least in the general public. All of these things are coming out from just basic research, and it showed us that we needed to learn more. We needed to research ourselves this question. And Local 43 has been such a great partner because they were like, how, how can we help you? How can we move this forward? And luckily, we were able to kind of move forward doing focus groups and things like that. And as we're learning more and more and more, we're learning that there's stations who are shifting to these shift schedules without proof of concept. So no one did, not a lot of people were doing too much research beforehand. So people are shifting to shift schedules there's just no knowledge about. And so that can be a little nerve wracking, I think, for a fire department to make that jump. Um, and Cameron and Travis over here at Local 43, they were like, we need to know beforehand. We need to make sure that this is the actual best choice for our members. And I think that's such a wonderful thing for an occupational health group to put that first for their members and to make sure that proof of concept is found before moving forward. Thanks so much for both of your information sharing on that. And yeah, it certainly is interesting that there isn't a whole lot of research out there considering there's so many different fire departments around the United States. And also it's really hard to kind of move into a new shift schedule when you have no background knowledge or evidence base behind maybe this will work or not. And certainly with any policy change, it's always helpful to have some form of evidence or research to back that. And so that's exactly what we do here at the Institute and OH as you as a whole is just providing an evidence base, filling that gap in research to be able to make change in health, safety, and well-being for workers. And so that kind of leads me into the next question. It's it's more of like a sub-question of this last section is, um, what are some strategies developed from this study? I know, Shelby, you had, met, you had talked about briefly the focus groups that you've done and responding to and engaging with firefighters and their family. And so what was this like for the both of you? And what were the strategies that came out of this? And just to be more specific, what were some key takeaways uh, for participating firefighters and what did they learn and how did they apply that to their daily life? After these focus groups, we then went on to do a, this pilot study that we've been doing for the past year where we were able to study a 2448 station in here in Portland and then also partnered with Eugene Springfield Fire Department. And we got to work with a station over there who works a 1323. So it's us being able to compare and contrast on a, on a, on a smaller basis with that small population size to kind of see where are we at? What are the, you know, these un these underlying differences right now? So we can kind of get just our, our, you know, our heads around this idea of alternative shift schedules. And what's wonderful is that, you know, I'm learning it's just as much as they are. And what I've been doing interviews afterwards, right? And I'm asking them, you know, what did we learn here about shift schedules? What did we learn about your own health? How do you see making changes from these results? And 
some of the themes that are coming out of this have been focused on increasing their sleep quantity and quality to improve their mood, their health, reaction times. Many firefighters were unaware of how little sleep they were getting at home and work. They knew it was bad, but it's having that on paper really telling you that you aren't getting that much sleep, that you subjectively were feeling better, but honestly, you weren't getting as much sleep as you thought. And also, I think what's been great is that there's been they've been beginning to make positive shifts to improve this issue, such as not watching TV before bed, beginning their nighttime routine once their children are in bed, not falling asleep in the easy chairs in the common room at work. You know, these little tiny changes that can make a big difference in the long run. Even partners of firefighters are getting on board with helping move forward these health behavior changes. Many, as I said, it's seeing that and that can turn organizations around, right? When we have those results in front of us, it's hard to ignore ignore those results. So this is true, you know, research utilization from this pilot study. It's, you know, it's only a few people, it's a small po population size, but it's a great start. And it's why it's so important to have solid dissemination strategies in order to create these healthy behavior changes in populations. Before we move on, Cameron, did you wanna also speak on any strategies or key takeaways from the study itself? I think the biggest takeaway that I could speak to is I think as, us as an occupation, as firefighters, we sort of anecdotally knew something was wrong, but we could never really put any proof behind it. And, and what Shelby and her team has been able to do through this pilot study is basically validate all of those feelings and, and, and thoughts that we had, had had prior to this study taking place. You know, we, we knew we weren't getting good sleep. We knew we our habits before going to bed and the things we ate were not the best. But when we have this actual hard copy data in front of us, specific to our firefighters who are going through the study, they can look at it and say, wow, I only slept two hours last night and I got interrupted four times. Uh, I never hit my REM cycle. And now I understand why when I go home, I'm extra grumpy, or I don't react as fast, or I need to take 10 breaths before I discipline my kid instead of five. Uh, you know, it's it, the sleep hygiene and habits that we've been able to teach our members following this study has been so beneficial. And I, and I agree with what Shelby said, partners of all these firefighters, I would say I have, would agree with that as well. Yeah. So wonderful to hear all of that in terms of like research and the translation of that research into life situations and the ways that we live as as i would imagine firefighters having the work and home life very much connected and also you know shelby coming in as somebody a researcher who is removed from the environment the situation maybe come in with more of an unbiased viewpoint and being able to subjectively see like what's going on is a really important factor of research being done in this area. And so that leads me to the next question. And we kind of already touched base on this a little bit. Um, so at the Institute, we have a research focus area around the concept of total worker health, like a holistic approach of safety, health and well-being at work. So seeing the worker holistically and through organizational policies, practices and programs. And we know that home and work life are very interconnected and that we can't separate the two. So the firefighter work experience would be a critical one to improve and use this approach. And we touched on this a little bit earlier, but um, how are families of firefighters impacted by these shift schedules? And um, I imagine it would be hard to juggle things like 
okay, socialization and family medical appointments and things like that, especially when your shifts are entirely 24 plus hours or more. So how are your families impacted by these shift schedules and what have you learned as well along the way? I think if I could sum it up in, well, maybe two words, I would say the two words are dynamic and fluid. Everything about our lifestyle, because it is, it's a lifestyle is, is dynamic and fluid. My wife specifically, I know when we first joined the fire service and I say we, because it is a total family thing. It's not just something that I can do by myself. Everything I do with this job affects my spouse. And I know it is the same way with the rest of the firefighters across the country. Um, everything we do, we do as a team. So I have my family at work that I live with, uh, one out of every three days. And then I have my family at home, uh, that take the other two. And it's a very unique profession, you know, being gone 24 hours, 48 hours, 72 hours, the spouse or the partner has to be very independent and be able to handle things on their own. I know it's been a growing pains in my own family. I know uh, I can think of one specific Christmas I had to work and our Christmas tree fell over and my wife couldn't get it picked up. So she had to call around and get some people to come over and help her pick it back up. So it's dealing with unique problems like that. When your spouse is away for 24 hours, that uh, puts a lot of pressure on the, on the families at home. And then we have our members, of course, who are single parents who have to manage the welfare of their child while they're gone for 24 hours. And that can be challenging just in itself. It's not something that I can personally speak to, but we have a ton of members in that, in that specific uh, situation who have had to be very creative in finding childcare and spending time with their, their, their children. Communication becomes all that more important. Being able to communicate with your work and with the people around you uh, when you have emergencies pop up. We have a very unique job in that somebody always has to be there 24 hours a day, seven days a week, 365 days a year. So if I'm on shift and somebody can't come in to replace me, I can't leave. So I, I have to make all my appointments and all of my plans with family members or friends with an asterisk that says, Hey, if I'm getting off work, I may or may not be there. Um, I will do my best to be, but sometimes, uh, things happened and I have to stay at work. So it's a very dynamic and fluid, uh, life as I alluded to. And, um, it does create strong family ties and independence with your spouse and your friends uh, being able to handle things, but it's also a very rewarding profession at the same time too. So, Yeah, definitely a lot of factors involved in having the support of your family as well as your you know, community. Also, you know, just talking a bit about just the support and the stressors and the cycle social stressors that your family may face are all areas that that we don't think about when we look at a firefighter and how they live their day-to-day -day life it's been such a great conversation with you both i wish we could keep going <laughs> and and talk for another 30 minutes to an hour but on this podcast episode we always like to end with key takeaways for our listeners and it seems like 
in this situation, especially Cameron and Shelby, um, there was really great synergy between the community, the researchers, and uh, which is a really important aspect of moving through successful research partnerships. And, and research is necessary to test out and develop effective strategies. But it's just as important for these solutions to be feasible and translatable into the real world. And collaboration such as yours really helps bridge the gap between research and reality and helps us arrive at different areas and having these policies and practices really come into place and become sustainable parts of a workplace um, safety, health and well-being. And so I have like two final questions. So what is next and where do you plan to go from here? And feel free to take it away, Cameron or Shelby, whoever would like to go first. So what's next for you both in terms of this research partnership? And if you could give any advice to organizations who want to ensure their workplace is healthy and safe, what would that be? We have big dreams. We have big aspirations and we're moving forward. I think that's what makes this relationship so great is that we just want to keep moving forward. Next thing, we are hoping to repeat the pilot study just in a larger sample size so that we can finally provide the fire service industry with a full scale study on the 2448 versus 1323. Um, and, you know, this is a national debate about which shift schedule is the best. And we want to provide that information to this industry. And it really will allow for that evidence-based decision-making in the future. And that's all we can hope for, right? We really want to set a precedent for evidence-based approaches to work design changes. And that, that they could benefit firefighters and also other emergency workers, because other emergency workers also work very um, particular shift scheduling. So that's our goal right now. That's our next steps, hopefully. I know for me, I get the exciting opportunity to now go out and find 150 firefighters within our 750 member local to uh, participate in this study. It's going to be really exciting. Um, I can't wait to see the information we are able to gather from it. And uh, do you have any advice for any organizations who want to pursue this, this area of changing their ship schedules? Absolutely. I know for us at Local 43, we try to do everything we can to benefit our own membership uh, through community partnerships. So reaching out to OHSU was a huge partnership for us and taking the bull by the horn, so to speak, taking our own future and health and wellness into our own hands and trying to find resources that can help us provide evidence to our, our, our city leaders, our fire bureau um, on how they can help us make our lives better um, our workplace better, our family lives better. And then if, if we can provide that information to them, uh, the ball is in their court, so to speak, to do whatever they're able to do to, to help us improve. So I would recommend to any group that uh, is trying to make workplace, work-life balance, work safety, work health better for themselves to really just reach out because there are resources within the community like OHSU, which has been so beneficial to us uh, in helping us improve our lives. So we're very grateful for that partnership. Thanks so much. Yeah, that's wonderful to hear and taking more of a proactive approach versus a reactive approach. And this is an area that is essentially a public health concern, especially for the population of firefighters. And you know, I, I'm excited to hear more about where this research goes and, and your collaboration. And it, it is really important work that you're both doing. And we can easily make this 
have a part two follow-up to see where this next uh, part of your study goes. And I just wanted to say big thanks to you both for coming on the podcast today, Cameron and Shelby, and sharing with our listeners of the importance of of these areas for firefighters, uh, workplace safety, health and well-being, shift schedules, um, and also the research and the community partnerships that you have both developed. So yeah, we definitely always provide some information in our show notes. I will definitely be dropping in um, information that if Cameron and Shelby, if you provide additional things, we can definitely um, make those available to our listeners. Well, thank you so much both today. And I hope you go on to the rest of the day. Have a great, healthy and safe one. Thank you. You too. Thank you very much. Thanks so much for tuning in to today's podcast episode on what's work got to do with it. I certainly enjoyed my conversation with Cameron and Shelby and learning about the sleep health of firefighters. So important to acknowledge and know the different factors behind what may impact firefighter safety, health, and well-being. We also need to thank and acknowledge these frontline workers working very hard for our communities each and every day and certain things we don't necessarily think of when we see these fire engines and these firefighters fighting fires out in our everyday communities. And I also wanted to mention that the firefighter research project that Shelby and Cameron mentioned as next steps will be funded by the Oregon Healthy Workforce Center. So the Oregon Healthy Workforce Center is a NIOSH Total Worker Health Center of Excellence funded by the National Institute for Occupational Safety and Health, NIOSH. And we are actually going into our third grant cycle. And that begins as officially as of September 1st of this year. And we are excited to be able to have the funding to carry forward this firefighter study and essentially a part two of, of the pilot study that was done and explained by Cameron and Shelby. If you're enjoying our podcast, please consider leaving us a great review. Community feedback like yours and support is important to us and this effort only takes a few minutes. Do you want new podcast episodes sent directly to your email or podcast feed? Subscribe to this podcast, What's Work Got to Do With It, wherever you find your podcasts. And to stay updated on our current research, resource, news, and community events from the Institute and the Center, find us on the Oregon in the Workplace blog or connect with us on our social media channels at facebook.com slash Twitter at OHSU Health or on our LinkedIn page by searching Oregon Institute of Occupational Health Sciences. And I will definitely link all of those in the show notes below so you can find us easily. In addition, we also have a workplace safety, health, and well-being resource website. It's called Your Work Path. So visit www.yourworkpath.com to access total worker health tools and toolkits to help promote safety, health, and well-being practices and policies in your organization. We offer monthly drop-in sessions where you can learn more about our resources, as well as you can sign up for one-on-one meetings to help you gain access and answer questions on any of the resources that your organization is interested in. Thanks so much for tuning in. We will catch you next time.